We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Podcast. It is Tuesday, February 7th. Nick Whalen and DJ Trainer here with you. I'm told that it's Steve Nash's birthday. Uh, somebody named Isaiah Thomas's birthday. Um, I've always recognized February 7th as Michael Petrus's birthday. So happy birthday to Michael Petrus. Um, a lot to get to today. Um, there's a lot going on around the NBA. Um, Kevin Love rumors swirling yet again. Whether those are baseless or not, we'll get into that. Cavs-Wizards last night was probably the best regular season game of the year thus far. Uh, We'll debate that a little bit. Golden State playing at OKC on Saturday night. DeMarcus Cousins is suspended now after picking up his 16th technical. um, And a couple other uh, more minor notes that we'll get to later in the podcast. But let's start with Kevin Love. Um, this, this news broke, I think right around the game time yesterday, um, maybe during the game, uh, the, it was a seven Eastern tip in Washington for the Cavs. Um, but the, the New York daily news reported that LeBron James, you know, behind the scenes is pushing David Griffin, pushing the Cavaliers, not necessarily to trade Kevin Love, but to get Carmelo Anthony, and if that means Kevin Love has to be given up, which is something that the you know the, the Cavs front office has said they don't want to do and are unwilling to do, uh, the report basically says that LeBron you know wants to override that decision and, and basically get Melo with whatever means possible. So, um, of course, Kevin Love responds by putting up 39 points and hitting some huge shots in the Cavs OT win over the Wizards. We'll, we'll talk about that game in a little bit, but. One, do you buy these rumors? And two, if you do buy them, is it the right decision, um, you know, by GM LeBron to to want to bring in Carmelo Anthony, even if it means losing Kevin Love? 
lot to take in there. I'll say that I do buy these rumors to a certain degree. I think that at some point, um, LeBron. Oh, first of all, LeBron James is smart enough that you can't go straight to the media as soon as you want something. Like, let's give him enough cre- enough credit that he knows that. So, what I think probably happened or could have happened, which makes sense to me, is that he went to Gilbert. Gilbert said, oh, man, no, we're probably not going to do that. Or, or maybe he gave him an even harder no than that. And then LeBron James went to the media and said, you know, we need a playmaker. We need more, you know, we need more players on this team. And then that really put the public media and fan base pressure on Dan Gilbert to really consider this uh, more readily. Um, do I think it's a good idea to answer your second question? I say, heck no. I mean, <laughs> Kevin Love, I think right now, is better than Carmelo Anthony. And I'll even buy the I'll even buy the argument, Nick, that Carmelo Anthony right now today is better than Kevin Love. Like, sure, I'll buy it. But guess what? Not going to be better next year. Sure as heck is not going to be better in two years, three years, four years. So even if you want to say Carmelo Anthony is better than Kevin Love right now, you cannot say that's going to be the case down the road because Levin, Kevin Love is just a younger stud right now. And and I'm going to make the case that Kevin Love is better than Anthony right now, anyways. Yeah, I don't think anyone, at least that I've seen, or anyone you know whose whose opinion you know warrants respect, is trying to argue that Carmelo Anthony is better right now individually than Kevin Love. Right? I mean, he's a better pure scorer than Kevin Love. He's better at creating his own shot. Um, you know, he's a better one-on-one player. But you watch how this Cavs team plays, and like Kevin Love is a huge reason for where they are right now. You know, I, I think for the first maybe year and a half that Love was in Cleveland, it was you know they were still the best team in the East, but you know, in some ways they were winning in spite of love and not because love was playing poorly. It was just that they didn't know quite how to use him. And it seemed like at the end of last season and especially at the beginning and even through the playoffs, they figured out how to use Kevin love, how to balance using Kevin love as a, as an interior scorer, as a rebounder, as a passer, and then also as a shooter. And now we're seeing that basically continue. And they're picked, they picked up with Kevin love where they left off in the Eastern conference finals to start this season. He's having by far his best year in Cleveland arguably you know his best overall season as a player you know you can say the Minnesota seasons were better statistically and they were but the usage you know was high the efficiency was relatively low for a power forward um I think given all of the factors this is his best uh the best form I guess that we've seen him in throughout his NBA career so the debate really isn't is Melo better than Love is Love better than Anthony I just think there's this belief on LeBron's part that okay Golden State it was was basically even with us last year they were better in the regular season we beat them in the finals you know it could have gone either way they added Kevin Durant we didn't really add anybody in fact I think LeBron probably thinks you know we lost a couple guys like yeah we brought back JR you know we bring in DeAndre Liggins who's been okay in spurts but you lose a little depth with Mozgov you lost Vergeau midway through last year you lose Delhi, who had given them decent minutes until the finals um so I, I think for LeBron it's not that he's unhappy with this roster it's that He's saying we can't expect it to go like it went last year, that we're not running it back. They're bringing in Kevin Durant. We're running it back with our team. So I don't know if replacing Love with Melo straight up, if that were to be the deal, like I think that you're, that's a wash. You know, maybe, If anything, you get a little worse. You know, you're not going to challenge the Warriors with LeBron, Kyrie, and Melo. If you could get Melo with LeBron, Love, and Kyrie, then you have your own big four. But I don't see the point in swapping out one component of the big three just to make a different big three when the team you're obviously gearing to beat has a big four. Yeah, that's all fair. So here's here's the double standard a lot of us has put on LeBron James. I just want to make everybody aware of that, right? So we we get mad at him for saying stuff like this and actively being, you know, uh, a pseudo GM and saying, you know, we need another playmaker, we need another playmaker, and say, LeBron, just go out there and win it by yourself. Don't you like competition? But then when it's all said and done, how are we going to judge LeBron James right. based on the number of championships he wins? So you get to do one or the other. You don't get to judge him for both. Double, yes, I agree. There's a double standard there. You know, it's uh, if you're LeBron James, you're so good, you should be able to win with whatever you have. It's like, yeah, that's... I guess if you want to make that argument, you know, I could see that. But like when one other team is stacking the deck with four of the top fifteen players in the yeah. league, like you, you kind of have to do something. I, I guess you know. I think it it seems so crazy when LeBron teamed up with Wade and Bosh in twenty ten, right? Like people were just yeah, we hadn't seen anything like that. The way that that team came together, people were beside themselves that LeBron would want to stack a team in his favor. And now that's just how it works. Like any team that's in legit contention, you got to have three guys. 
Yeah. Some have four. So here, here's the part where you and I are concerned for LeBron because we're both pro LeBron. LeBron, you've been more pro LeBron than I have, but I, I still do like him. You know, either you kind of like him or you hate him. Um, you and I are both concerned that he might be overvaluing Carmelo Anthony because they're friends, and that makes sense, right? You're my friend. I overvalue how good of a basketball player you are. I'd rather have you on my team than somebody who I'm not yes. best friends with. Totally agree. Because I get a lot of personal benefit day in, day out, every hour of every day from having you on the team. Yep. But in terms of actually going out there and beating the Warriors, I think he he's not quite looking at the picture with the clearest view. And that's where somebody, probably like Dan Gilbert, is actually stepping in and saying, hey, LeBron, I understand that you want this, but it might not be the best thing for you. Right. And like I think you know, LeBron is on great terms with Kevin Love by all accounts, um, especially in comparison to maybe a calendar year ago. Um, so like to me, that's not really the issue. I, I just think there's a, there's a level there where like he's been, you know, I wouldn't say lifelong friends, but you know, career long friends with Carmelo Anthony. He's business friends. He's work friends with Car- with uh, Kevin Love. You Kevin know, like, Love just happened to be a nice stretch four that was right. available when he went back to Cleveland. Right. That's really all Kevin Love is to LeBron James. LeBron left Dwayne Wade in Miami. Like, yeah. what would make you think he would have any kind of hesitation <laughs> about trading Kevin Love? You know, I think, and you know, we exaggerate a little bit. It's not like he just ditched Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, but you know, I think that's there's a comparison there. Um, and even you know, like you said, I think you know the daily benefits of having a friend around. You know, like that, that's great. I think that's a good point. I also think LeBron probably overestimates his own ability to turn Carmelo Anthony yeah. into like this this player that he has in mind, and like he probably overestimates Carmelo's ability to play like the guy that the Cavs would need him to be. That that's a great point, and in, in that you know he his friendship might turn into a hatred at some point because not many people can match LeBron James and his motivation when he's actually on a team with Carmelo Anthony and you realize, oh, wow, we actually were seeing the best we ever could get out of him day in and day out. It's not just that he has another gear. Like Carmelo, we might have already seen his top gear. Uh, being motivated and playing for a championship alongside his friends might not kick Carmelo Anthony into that extra gear that we've never seen from him before. So... Uh, all in all, I think that we, we both kind of agree that LeBron James in an ideal world would love to have Carmelo Anthony on his team, but he's looking at it through you know a distorted view, and it sounds like other people around him are kind of stepping in and saying, hey, man, Kevin Love is really, really good. Yeah. He's going to be better than Carmelo Anthony for the next four years. You may not be best friends with him, but we do know that you, you value your legacy perhaps more than anything. And so mm-hmm. that's something that at least LeBron James can respect is other people within his organization looking out for his own legacy. Yeah. Do you think the Cavs would be better off you know, rather than trying to land this big free agent in Carmelo Anthony or whoever else it would be, You know, just trying to use these trade exceptions that they have, use... You know, a guy like Shumpert, you know, contract-wise, makes sense to be moved, um, even though he's he's played really well for them and has, has obviously been an integral part of, you know, the fabric of this team. I don't think they're really looking to move him, but you know, it, would they be better off, you know, making maybe two minor additions as compared to this big splashy addition? Like, I feel like LeBron wants so badly to have that Golden State type of team. Like, I I, I genuinely believe that he he looks at Golden State and says like how have I never been on a team like this? How have I always had to scratch and claw and pull my teammates to the level that they need to be? Like, I think he wants to have a year like Steph Curry's having where like he can just coast. Like that's been the plan, right? Like, hasn't that been the plan? That was the plan in Miami. It didn't end up coming to fruition. Chris Bosh couldn't fit in. Dwayne Wade rapidly declined. It was supposed to be the case in Cleveland. Kevin Love didn't fit in. Kyrie wasn't quite ready. The plan was not for LeBron James to rank in the top three in the NBA in minutes played and play routinely 40-plus minutes as he has over the last couple of months. The plan was for this to be a super team, for them to coast, for LeBron to get plenty of rest, and then turn it on in the playoffs. I think it's alarming to him that they can't just do that. That's a great point because let's go back to those Miami Heat days. Dwayne Wade was the guy that was coasting. He was the one missing a whole week because of an ankle sprain that just lingered on for a month. And and we were saying, you know what? LeBron James is going to get tired of this at some point. He's going to get tired of Dwayne Wade only playing 50 games a season and then LeBron James coming doing all the legwork in the playoffs. And then remember how Dwayne Wade just kind of stepped up in the playoffs, took a little bit of the glory, maybe a little bit too much when LeBron did all the work during the regular season. And now we're seeing that again. Guess who's coasting? Kyrie Irving. And then in the playoffs last year, when it mattered most, he hit that big shot. But if you look over the course of the season, 
LeBron is the one, he's the backbone of the team. And Kyrie Irving and Dwayne Wade in the past have just kind of stepped in when everybody was watching, when you know all eyes were on the team. And it makes it seem like there's this kind of equal ratio. But in reality, like you said, LeBron James has been doing all the legwork. And I think he is jealous. Who wouldn't be jealous? He's averaging 36 and, 37 and a half minutes per game right now uh, when he should be resting up. I mean, let's not forget that he wants to break the all-time scoring record. He needs to average, what, 24, 25 points over the next four seasons the way he's playing right now his friends and his teammates are not allowing him to have that longevity because he is shouldering too much of the regular season load so to answer your Mm -hmm. question hey yeah he's jealous he should be coasting but instead his teammates have been the ones that have coasted in his place right yeah and i don't know if coast is the right word for like Kyrie and love because i mean like it's not like they're sitting out games it's not like they're not trying i think it's just they're just not playing quite as well as we would have expected and they're still you know they're in first place in the east they're totally fine that's coasting man. the big the point overall is that golden state has set an unrealistic expectation for this type of thing they've set an unrealistic expectation for rosters normally a roster with lebron love and Kyrie cruises to the title like seriously like look at look at the teams that won titles in you know throughout the 2000s like not to take anything away from those spurs teams um i'm not saying that cleveland would you know roll through them by any means i I don't think they would uh but none of those teams have the talent and the depth and just the high-end scoring ability that this golden state team does like this is the best team that's ever been assembled regardless of what the record says and i I think lebron like it's got to be kind of spiteful almost of him like if, if you can put yourself in his shoes to say like I am at the peak of my powers. I'm playing arguably the best basketball of anybody we've ever seen over this, you know, 12 plus years. I have a great team. I should be able to cruise to three straight titles. Instead, there's this super team that just happened to arise right as I'm reaching my apex. Yeah, of course he'd be disgruntled. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the fruit of that discontent uh, happening right now in the media. Him going to Dan Gilbert and saying, this sucks. Like, this is not how it's supposed to be, just like you said. Uh, but instead, you know, he just has a higher mountain to climb. He is the best player of all time, in my eyes, or will be when it's all said and done. Um, and we'll see if the best player of all time can, uh, you know, topple this insurmountable mountain. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if he does it, then come on. Like, right. last year he did it. You know, right. last year he did it with uh, an inferior team to this year, I would argue. I mean, they're jailing more this year than they were last year by far. Um, I don't know. It, it's You can call it an unfair roadblock because you're right. At any other given point in history, LeBron James and pick any of his teammates would cruise to a title. Uh, but that's the that's the challenge he has in front of him, and it's going to be interesting to see if he can rise to that challenge. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, we are putting him, you know, his back is against the wall, and we're, we're, we're almost asking too much of him. We're going to say, if you are the best player of all time, then yeah. you should beat this team with any, any amount of players. Jordan found a way to do it. Yeah, like, which is okay. unfair. It's like, well, guess what? LeBron actually did that last year, and now if he doesn't do it a second and third time, are we going to mm-hmm. discredit that one time that he did what we asked him to do? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I ran I, out of uh, I ran out of breath there, but no, that's no, yeah. No, no, I, was, I was reading something. I'm sorry, I was laughing at. Um, but anyway, so after the game, you know, LeBron had be, he said he had been made aware. I don't know if someone on the bench, so, you know, if a fan had yelled it to him while he was on the bench, but he said he was aware of the situation. Love was clearly aware as well. Um, LeBron, you know, dismissed it right away. He called the report trash. He called the reporter trash. Kevin Love like had a very demonstrative slash kind of hilarious reaction when he was asked about it basically you know couldn't believe that somebody would even make up such a wild and crazy rumor like that even though it's not all that wild and crazy um so the Cavs I mean for their part they dismissed it Tyron Lu, you know took a humorous approach said yep we're trading Kevin Love tonight uh obviously that was not the case uh but yeah so as of now this rumor is dead I, I think most people seem to genuinely accept lebron and love and lou and griffin denying it i don't i mean i, I just have a hard time believing in you know a, a, a reporter like frank isola who is not it's not like this came from 
you know, some random blog somewhere and someone who wouldn't reveal a source, you know, like this is Frank Isola who is as plugged in as, you know, just about any veteran reporter. Obviously he's not in the Cleveland market. That maybe has something to do with it, but he's in the New York market. So he's, he's privy to some of this. It's not like he's coming out of Atlanta to, well, to say something like so this. So right before we started to record the jump on ESPN just came out and Rachel Nichols gave her little stance about this whole thing. And what she thinks and it could be very well true is that some other team, official told that to Isola sure. because they just wanted to, you know, stir the pot. Right. And, and teams and do that all the time. Possible, yeah. and, and, and But it's up to Isola to come out yeah. there and decide whether or not he wants to, you know, bring that to everybody's attention. And that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of, t- a lot of times, and believe it or not, teams will actually put stuff out there that's not entirely true mm-hmm. just to get a conversation started or to get people leaning one way. Right. Um, and so they actually manipulate the media. And of course, the media is just trying to find stories like that. So they're more than happy right. to report on what they're being told. Yeah, I'm not necessarily trying to defend Isola or anything or, you know, say that LeBron is a a bad guy for doing this behind the scenes. I just think, like, he's a respected enough guy that, like, he wouldn't just make this up for the sake of doing that. Like, somebody gave him information that he deemed enough to be reportable. And it's also worth noting that he writes for the Daily News. So nothing against the Daily News, but that's you know, basically a tabloid when it comes to sports. So like their standards of reporting are a little bit different and they make that clear. They're not trying to deceive anyone. It's the New York Daily News. Yeah, I don't want to hate on Isla Sola, but this isn't the first time where he said something about, yeah. about Carmelo Anthony. I mean, that's and his job. It, yeah. didn't, it didn't ultimately come out to be true. Um, the other thing here is, and of course I'm going to lose my train of thought. I don't remember what the other thing is. I'm thinking about it. LeBron. LeBron Frank James Isola, trying to drag my New York here. Daily News. Yeah, I Nothing? just don't remember. Right, Man, that well, was we'll going to be a golden jump nugget back in too. if you remember at any I'm point. Just, I'm just going to blurt it out later okay. on in this podcast. Okay, r- yeah. regardless no of what warning. we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, um, I want to close this by asking you: Is Carmelo Anthony a Hall of Famer? And that question, I know the answer to. We know the answer to. He's a lock to make the Basketball Hall of Fame for you know the precedent that's been set. Do you think right now Carmelo Anthony and his body of work is deserving of getting into the Hall of Fame, in your opinion? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, you were very wise this preseason, and often I don't often I don't always agree with you, but the wisest thing that I think you've said perhaps all season long is that right now Carmelo Anthony, the public perception to him, it's at a point where he is undervalued and underappreciated. Yes. And I think you were entirely correct. I don't I mean, like that that's the wisest thing I've said, but yes, continue. Well, that, you know, you say a lot of junk, man. You say a lot of junk. So I mean, he's averaging 23 points, six rebounds, three assists, almost almost a full steal, half a block. Uh, he's 32 years old. This is usually when players start to break down, but you know what? The guy is still one of the best pure scorers in the league. He knows how to get buckets. The only issue here is that he hasn't figured out a way how to translate his ability into winning games. Like we all know he can score. He just doesn't have that killer instinct to actually put away games for the fact that he is such a good score. I mean, he's just amazing. And here's the thing with the NBA that you have to consider that you don't like for the NFL or probably NHL and other leagues, MLB is that it includes college basketball, right. and he had an amazing run with Syracuse when he was a freshman. So he's going to get in um, partly because of that right. and partly because this guy's one of the best scorers of, in NBA history. Even though he didn't win, he's still mm-hmm. one of the best scorers of all time. Yes, by Basketball Hall of Fame standards, he is a lock to get in. There's no question about it. I'm not saying that he won't get in because he's going to get in for sure. I, I think there's just a debate. Like The way I would phrase it, and I was, I was talking with – KOB, our our mutual associate this morning about this very thing. And the way I phrased it with him is that the baseball equivalent of Carmelo Anthony and the NFL equivalent of Carmelo Anthony, whatever that would be, whatever you can translate him to in those sports, would no doubt be kept out of the Hall of Fame. He would have no chance, right? Well, here's the thing is that different... I think NFL, he'd have a better chance. Sure. Well, NFL is the least... Is the second most relaxed, I guess. Well, here's NBA the thing. is most relaxed. NBA, NBA usually, I guess at least when we're talking about all-time players, is always dependent on how many rings do you have. NFL is not that case because a lot of people regard Dan Marino as the best quarterback of all time, yeah. never won a Super Bowl. So you've got that kind of going in different places. MLB, you really don't talk about championships. You talk about you know how many shutouts, how many strikeouts over the course of your sure. career, your batting average or something like that. So, well, that's, it's such an individual sport that like it's really hard to fault a player for never winning winning a world series like you could hit 
330 for 10 straight years and if your pitching staff isn't great then you're not winning the world series yeah no that 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 makes complete sense i think nolan ryan might have been like that too like he was just an ace but his team was never that great i don't know but don't I, yeah i don't yeah know. i have no we idea should, we should probably cut this off yeah, yeah we we better, we're really getting in trouble here <laughs> well, like, the, like see the basketball hall of fame opened up the floodgates like when it led in mitch richmond well you know, the like, basketball hall of fame needs to be redone there needs to be an nba i hall totally of fame. agree i mean this I, is so obvious i mean but i also don't care like i'm i'm more in, in favor of letting too many guys in than keeping guys out right like it's not like you're letting in like egregious guys you shouldn't be in there it's like if mitch <laughs> richmond is like the worst player in the hall of fame i can live with that but like with baseball it's really frustrating when there's these guys who've had great careers and it's just like well his, his wins above replacement, you know, from 68 to, to 72 just wasn't there. It's like, come on, man. It's like it's more fun to let these guys in, isn't it? Like as long as – the thing is you just don't want to keep lowering the bar, I guess. You know, it's like if you are if you start letting, you know, I don't know, Joe Johnson in, then it's like, okay, anybody who was pretty good for a while but was never really a top 10 or 15 player, <laughs> then you kind of have to let them in too. Like that's the only concern is that if you if you keep lowering the bar, then – it's really hard to make a case against certain guys when someone who's had, you know, arguably as good or maybe even worse of a career is already in. Right. So here's my big thing here with all Hall of Fames. It's okay for a year or two years to not admit anybody into the Hall of Fame. You don't need to admit five people in every single year for every single sport. Some years you're just going to have a class that's not nearly as deserving. And some years you're going to have a class Mm -hmm. where like everybody needs to get in all, all the nominees need to yeah. get in. So, so it always seems to work out. I think MLB is probably best about this out of everybody, but you know, some years just only let in two people. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, looking at just, just out of curiosity, since we're on the topic, um, you know, players who are, who are eligible for this upcoming hall of fame class. We already, we already have some of the announcements, I believe, don't we? I thought we did. No, Tracy McGrady was a finalist. I mean, like T Mac, Ben Wallace. I'm sorting these right now. Um, you know, just looking at like win shares from from their entire career. Peja Stoyakovich. Ooh. Uh, Eddie Jones. He's not a first year eligible guy, but he's he has the highest win shares of, of anyone I'm seeing really on this list. So hmm. it's interesting. I don't know. I, I think the the mellow thing was just a little sidebar that I just kinda wanted to get your opinion on. Um, Wait, let's keep this to like fifteen seconds. Okay. Is Melo going to get traded and where to? Your own personal opinion. Not what you want, but just if you had to put all your life savings on it and just take 15 seconds to answer this, will he be traded and where to? No, he won't be traded. If he were to be traded, I really would not put this LeBron engineering a love for Melo swap to the side. Like I really think LeBron believes that this team would be better with Melo. I just don't know how far he's willing to go to make it happen. In my heart of hearts, I agree. If if Melo's going to go anywhere, it's going to be to Cleveland. And if I had to put all my money and just had to do it and say which team would it be, I think it would be the Cavaliers. Mostly because of that no trade clause. If there was no no trade clauses... Right. Then who like he'd be he'd be to Denver like two weeks ago mm-hmm. you know he he'd be to you know I guess Denver is probably the one with the best trade assets. Anyways, we can keep it moving, but I think we covered the topic pretty well. Do you hope he moves? I hope he. Last I thing. hope he does just for the sake of like switch. You know, up, like yeah. the Knicks aren't going anywhere. If you add Melo to any of these teams that we've talked about, all of a sudden that just becomes a fun narrative to follow. You know? Yeah, like if he goes to Cleveland and they send Kevin Love to New York and the Cavs go 500 the rest of the regular season that's a huge huge story and something that we you know aren't talking about at all right now because it hasn't happened or if they get mellow and go 30 and one the rest of the season that's an equally big story you know like every game after carmelo goes to whatever team you would go to the result of that game would be analyzed you know forever okay this seriously will be the last thing we talk about about this topic but does kevin love a front court of kevin love and Kristaps porzingis even work don't we kind of like Porzingis playing power forward anyway? I, that's what the Knicks. So maybe to the do, Knicks, right? like, yeah, maybe the Knicks Robin wouldn't Lopez. want to do it. Yeah, or, no, you're, sorry, you still have Robin Lopez. Yeah, I mean, you have O'Quinn, you have Kuzmigas. I mean, you I, have Hernan Gomez. Right. I yeah. That, that's the other thing too is I think the Knicks in this situation you're just grabbing an asset and Kevin Love's you know on a a pre new CBA nice long contract like you could make it work i think is what is what they're thinking like all right like we're we're clearly it's not working with Melo and Porzingis like we can't do any worse than that yeah you got Joaquim Noah yeah. <laughs> you got, Joaquim you got Noah. a stacked front court anyways nobody has really thought hey do the Knicks actually want to do that deal i think it's just i honestly just think it's an asset grab and it's okay. like if you if it's the difference between all right we can either have Kevin Love or we can have 
Jamal Crawford, JJ Redick, and Austin Rivers, like you want Kevin Love, even if it's not an ideal fit, right? Yep, fair enough. Okay. I mean, that was Orlando's mentality coming into the season, right? (laughs) That's that's working real, real well. Cavs Wizards. um, So as all these these rumors are swirling, there's a great, great regular season Monday night uh, NBA basketball game that was going on. And... I didn't catch most of this. We had a, a rec league game, uh, which we'll, we'll recap on the Rotowire Wire rec league podcast later in the week. Um, but the Cavs won 140 to 135, went into overtime. Uh, did you get a chance to see the the ending sequences of uh, trying to think, like, regular time? I got regulation. <laughs> that's the word. Yeah, regular time, um, as well as OT. I think you'll agree with me on this, um, that watching a game here in the office with a full office sometimes is the best place to do it. Lots of sports yeah, fans, fun, yeah. great reaction. So I happen to be in the office with about 12 to 13 other people watching that game. Massive uproar when it happened. Fantastic. Let's not forget that Kevin Love is the one who threw the three-quarters court pass to give it to James, who turned around to make it happen. You know what would happen if Carmelo Anthony was on that team? They would try to force the ball to Carmelo, so Carmelo was the last one taking the shot, and he would have airballed it. You know what? He would have just airballed it. So that's why you need to keep Kevin Love on the team. Yeah, I think yeah, he brings skills to the table that Carmelo Anthony and not a lot of other power forwards in the league, for that matter, not just Carmelo, don't. You know, passing like that, he had a couple of nice outlet passes that we see so routinely from him now in this game. Um, he rebounded really, really well. Um, that, you know, 39 and 12 in 42 minutes, six of 10 from three, 11 of 11 at the line. That's another thing about love is he's, you know, it's, it's somewhat rare to find power forwards who shoot it as well as he does at the line. His, his stat line last night was amazing in, yeah. in arguably the Cavs, you know, most, um, battled game of the whole season. You know, this is a fantastic game. 39, 12, three assists, three steals, Shot 11 of 17 from the field, 6 of 10 from beyond the arc. I mean, Car- on Car- Carmelo on his best day can do that, but he's not going to oh, do yeah. any better than that. And then 11 of 11 from the free throw line. What more do you want from I Kevin know, Love? I, I mean, come on. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I mean, LeBron, the, the big story from this game was, one, <laughs> LeBron, I don't even know what this was. It, it looked like he was about to pull off, so this was late in regulation, about to pull off, what would have been a pretty awesome Euro step. He was like charging, you know, full oh, LeBron travel. Speed. Well, right. But like, he didn't, like he didn't need that extra step. Like he had already fooled the defender stepped around him and it looked like he was just going to lay it right up. And then I don't know what was going through his mind. If he just kind of misstepped or what, but he took a quick extra step, clearly kind of rattled himself and missed what was an extremely easy layup. I think he thought he was going to be called for a travel and then mm-hmm. was like caught off guard, but there was no whistle. Uh, so the Cavs end up fouling, and you know, and Washington is is up three with you know I think a little over a second left, and then you know the highlight that we've all seen by now the pass LeBron turn around like uh, somehow avoid stepping out of bounds um, on the sideline. It was like a half inch between his shoe and the line. Banks in the three, uh, and the and the thing that nobody's talking about is LeBron like immediately fouled out as soon as overtime started. Yeah. <laughs> so like he had this crazy shot. He was I mean he'd already had a season high and a career high. 17 assists in regulation uh, of this game so like you know at that point it's like well five more minutes like what is he gonna finish with is he gonna have like a 35 20 game um and he very well could have if he stayed in but he he clearly fouled brad beal around the basket and then from there it was pretty much Kyrie hit a couple of really tough shots uh to put it away for cleveland so yeah i mean this is a win I, i think for the Cavs still it's like they don't respect Washington the same way they respect no way. a Golden State or a San Antonio. So it's like, yeah, I'm sure they were happy with the win. And, um, you know, the reporters after the game were saying, you know, this is as, as happy as they've been after a regular season win in a long time, uh, et cetera. But I think at the same time, the belief, if you're LeBron, is is it shouldn't take this much to beat, you know, the freaking Washington Wizards. That's a very fair point. Kevin Love knocked down four of his four free throw attempts during overtime as well. So it was really the Irving and Love show. You're right. It shouldn't be this hard. You shouldn't have to fight this hard night in, night out. And this is going to be trouble during the playoffs. I mean, how many times on last year's podcast did I say, the Warriors, this is not good for them. Them going for the streak and them winning this mini games and really trying that hard night in, night out is not going to be good for them in the playoffs. And general consensus and the end result, that kind of 
ultimately was true. Like, you know, they didn't win the finals. And so you can argue that they tried too hard during the regular season, got somewhat burnt out. The Cavs are trying too hard, but not going for a record. They're just trying to win games. So, so I completely understand the frustration. I understand everything. Um, but the Wizards have been playing really well of late. And, and I've been the first one to admit that I actually like their starting five quite a bit. Markeith Morris is playing very, very well uh, of late. And, you know, as he's performed well, so have the Wizards. I don't know if that's strictly the coincidence and the correlating factor there, but it certainly is is happening um, just the same. So uh, Wizards are a solid team, but here's the, here's the other thing, and then we can move on to some other topics here and get away from the Cavs. Um, everybody plays up for the Cavaliers, especially on their home game. And so the Wizards get to host the Cavaliers twice. It's usually their best draw of the season. If you looked at the crowd, that definitely was one of their best draws of the whole season. So it's tough for the Cavaliers. You get everybody's best game night in, night out. There's no... um, you know, nobody takes you for granted each time you come. So it's it's harder for the Cavaliers to win than it is other teams, believe it or not. So that's just yet another reason why they have to play that much harder over the course of 82 games. Yeah, well, and the other thing, too, is, you know, the, the Wizards had a 17-game home winning streak that they wanted to keep up yeah. as well. I mean, they're, they're playing, they were playing as well and still pretty much are playing as well as just about anyone in the East. So, you know, I think it was a combination of getting up for Cleveland, preserving that streak and just you know wanting to continue playing well after such a rough start um so lebron fouled out like i said second time he's fouled out in the last nine years he's fouled out five times in his entire career Kristaps Porzingis has fouled out five times this season for the record <laughs> demarcus cousins uh since like 2011 i looked up today has fouled out 46 times just some just some <laughs> ridiculous lebron foul stats do you remember in 2012 i believe it was he went six straight complete full games without committing a foul. I do. I was going to bring that up. But there were a couple questionable calls because the refs, in, oh, that, right. in that fourth, fifth, and sixth game, the refs kind of knew. Well, nobody, stood, nobody noticed it, really. And then all of a sudden, like I think some beat writer is like, wait a second, LeBron hasn't even been, like this isn't fouled out. Like He hasn't been called for a foul right. in X number of games. I, I went back and there was some article ESPN Stats and Info had put up at the time. 252 minutes of game time. Not like you know taking 48 minutes of like, it, 252 minutes of him being on the court without committing a foul well you know what most people are going to say to that yeah well the refs were just turning a blind eye to lebron james right. yeah, yeah superstar calls yeah and that Four and a half hours of playing basketball without you committing need a foul. you need a little extra help for that to happen no, i, I mean let's let's be let's be clear here but at the same rate you know he's a very smart player well the bigger thing is like how do you a player like lebron like how have you not committed a charge you know like that would be the bigger one yeah. for me it's like you can kind of control in some ways and lebron did and has gotten really good at this uh, you know, choosing when to really contest a shot, you know, and like just knowing that, hey, I can I can contest this dunk. You know, one, there's a good chance that I'm going to get dunked on and it's going to be embarrassing. Two, there's a good chance I'm going to foul him. I'm going to pick up a foul, which is bad for my team, and he might finish it. Like, you know, if you're not contesting those type of shots, obviously your you know your chances of committing fouls is so much less. So the most impressive part about that streak, and I thought it was just like a year or two ago. I'm surprised it was five years ago. Um, most impressive part for me is he's guarding the best player on the opposing team. It's really hard to guard a really good player and not just foul him once or twice to keep him from getting yeah. you know a cheap basket. So, Back then, especially, he was doing that. Not, yeah, not quite so much definitely. now. Um, you know, he's playing that. Obviously, it was only a five-game stretch, but he's matched up against Kevin Durant, your Jimmy Butler types. Mm-hmm. Not back then, but your Jimmy Butler types. And, you know, those guys are going to get a couple possessions every now and then on LeBron James. You'd think he'd get a cheap foul, but anyways, yeah, an impressive stretch. Just yet one of another reasons why LeBron, LeBron James is so good. But guess what? If he doesn't win the title this year, here. Yeah. We're not going to call We're him the greatest. About the foul streak, like we should be. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, so this was probably the game of the year thus far. Um, like I said, LeBron, seventeen assists. You know, all the theatrics. For the record, he had seventeen assists. Seemed low for his career high, right? Like, or like I, that he hadn't gotten to seventeen before. Like, I feel like he had, but I looked. He got to sixteen once. That was in twenty thirteen against the Kings. He got to fifteen assists six times uh, earlier in his career. Uh, but if that was not, or was, sorry, the, the game of the regular season thus far, there's one on Saturday that, on paper at least, will have a chance to rival it. We'll see how it turns out. But finally, after you know two-thirds of a season, basically, of waiting for this, Kevin Durant returns to Oklahoma City on Saturday night. That's a storyline in itself. All of a sudden, Russ versus Zaza is also this little undercard storyline of the night. 
Um, you know, we talked to Anthony Slater, a guy who, who currently writes for the San Jose Mercury News covering the Warriors. He covered the Thunder for a couple of years uh, prior to that in OKC. So he's been on both sides of this. He was 100% no doubt convinced that Durant is going to get booed as bad as LeBron was when he went back to Cleveland in 2010. And that's fair um, because... You know the Thunder are doing well, but they're not a super winning team. Um, you know they're 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 struggling right now, and the loss of Canner certainly hurts. They've got a firm lead on the seventh seed in the West um, over the Nuggets. Twenty three losses compared to twenty eight. But yeah, I'm a Thunder fan. I grew up in Oklahoma. If I was at that game, I'd boo Kevin Durant too. I still like Kevin Durant, but you're just gonna boo him to boo him. Like that's that's why you go to the game. It's the novelty of it all, right? Yeah. And so you may not really be vindictive towards Kevin Durant, but that's it's going to be the thing that night. You just, boo, you just boo them. It's yeah. just like everybody's, you're not cool unless you don't boo. Like the people not booing, you're going to be like, what? Why wouldn't you boo him? Yeah, you're going to be able to tell people for the rest of your life that you booed Kevin Durant when he came back to Oklahoma City. It's just like a thing that people are going to do regardless of how strongly they feel about it. Obviously, though, people are going to feel pretty strongly about it and you should get booed. I think the way that these first two matchups this season have gone between these teams has fed into that a little bit mm-hmm. you know um you know had there been you know one of those games that they played twice in golden state already like let's say before one or both of the games durant and westbrook went in for a hug and or after the game they were seen chatting and dapping up and it was like not that that's what anybody necessarily wants to see um but you know if, if they if those two made a concerted effort to downplay it you know and say you know like we're still friends blah 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 but like no, the opposite has happened. Like Durant's chirping at the bench, and his Cantor's chirping yeah. back at him. Stephen Adams telling is, him to calm down. Yeah, Westbrook is telling his teammates not to go talk to that expletive. You yes, know, stuff like that. Like they have done anything. I don't. I don't know that it's intentional by any means, but like they haven't done anything to quell what Kevin Durant has coming on Saturday. Yes. No, you're totally right about that. Half the reason why he's going to get booed so loudly and for so long is because. The Thunder's leader, the guy that you're rooting for, when you're talking about rooting for the Thunder, you're talking about rooting for Russell Westbrook, and he has shown you every indication that he does not like Kevin Durant, he does not respect Kevin Durant, so if you like the Thunder, you like Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook does not like Kevin Durant, therefore, Thunder fans hate Kevin Durant. Exactly, they still have their guy, like you have, you lost Kevin Durant, but you're like, all right, well, we, you know, we've always liked both these guys, now it's our, Westbrook's our guy, he's the guy who's staying here, like it's Mm -hmm. kind of a... You just take on Westbrook's persona and how yes. he's handling this, and I, I think, I think there's going to be a rabid fan base waiting for Durant. And like how this differs from Cleveland is like Cleveland didn't. It's not like LeBron left, you know, prime Kyrie, or and like even Kyrie's not as good as Westbrook. You know, LeBron didn't leave another superstar in Cleveland. It was like he left the cupboard bare. You know, like yeah. after what did we say after on the the, the pod with Chris uh, Fedor? Chris Fedor, yeah. We, the Cavs lost something like 37 of their next 39 right. after they got housed by the Heat in Cleveland. Like, it was it. Like, that was that was their game. That was their season. They lost it, and that was they had nothing left. Like, the Thunder have things to play for. They're still a playoff team. They still have a player who can win you a playoff series. So, like, there's, there's more on the line, I think, right now for OKC and their fans than there was for Cleveland in 2010 even. How does Kevin Durant respond? So I, we know how the arena is going to respond. How does Kevin Durant respond? Does he hold up his hand? Does he like get real hostile towards the crowd? You know, does he do a lot of like chest pounding? We'll does he just kind of, if, if I'm Kevin Durant, like, you know that in a matter of years, he's going to come back. He's going to have his jersey retired. All is going to be well. I'm, I'm, for him, I think you just kind of keep, like, you literally hang your head, just go through the motions, you're probably going to get yeah. the win, and you leave, and you just, you don't burn the bridge, because Kevin Durant has a chance to burn that bridge when, yes. when they play this game, and I, and I think he'd be wise just take to the high road, yeah. take the high road and just, just take it. Like, you knew this was coming when you made this decision, just right. get out of the arena, don't retaliate in any way. Yeah, and I think if you're, a, you know, if you're the Warriors, like, you don't, want Kevin Durant inciting Russell Westbrook or inciting this fan base you know at all like you just just get in play the game win by 20 score 35 points get out right like that like you know it's just the classic let your game do the talking right like that's what's gonna that's what the whole thing is gonna be is let your game do the talking this is any other game but it's hard you know when he's gonna get booed every time he touches the ball pregame intros are gonna be you know at forward number 35 from Texas Kevin Durant you know instead of Instead of what they were in this arena last year, you know, fireworks and smoke, and yeah. he's the last guy introduced. You know, like it's, it's gonna be, 
it's going to be crazy. And like, I, I was considering, I was going to drive home after, after being in the office on Saturday and, and spend the night at home. Like, I don't think I could do that anymore because this game is going to be tipping off during that point. And I like, you can't miss this, right? No, you can't miss it. Uh, I love your favorite impersonation impersonation to do is the PA announcer opposing like a guy that the PA announcer doesn't That's like. That's because I've, I think I've watched you the do YouTube that all video the time. of LeBron returning to Cleveland <laughs> so many times. It's, it's <laughs> funny. Like they go out of their way to like, like, you know, they'll, they'll do the rest of the lineup and, you know, they'll say it in a normal voice, you know, like uh, power forward from Georgia Tech, Chris Bosh. Then it's just like, well, let's just get this over with, like mumble it as much as they can. Like we, we know who it is. Like just say it. All right. If you have anything, like the louder you talk, the more people are going to boo. Uh, I hate to jump around on this pod, but I'm not so certain that that Cavs versus Wizards game was the best game of the year. Okay. Um, Rockets versus the Warriors that went to double overtime. Yeah. When we still were uncertain about the the Rockets, so the Rockets at this time were twelve and seven, the Warriors were sixteen and three. Rockets won that game in double overtime using Montrez Harrell and Sam Decker at the five for for the end of regulation in both OTs. And you're like, oh my goodness, this Rocket team is actually if you had to construct a team construct a team to beat the Warriors would be it. So for me, I think that one is still okay. the best game of the year because it was. It was an oh my goodness! The Rockets are a legitimate contender this year type yeah. of game to me. Whereas the Wizards are good and whatnot, it just happened to be a good game mm-hmm. in in February. The Rockets one made a statement for me, a, a bigger statement. Plus, mm-hmm. the game was just as crazy at the end as this Cavs Wizards yeah. one was last night on on Tuesday, Monday, yeah. Monday. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the one I don't think I didn't like about that is like it was like a it was a messy game. I remember watching that and thinking like Jesus, this is really sloppy. I mean, like I'm looking at the box score now and it's like. The Warriors shot 41%. The Rockets shot 44%. Like, neither team shot it well from three at all. Mm-hmm. Combined 26 of 88 from three. So it was like, it was a great game, but it was a messy, great game. Harden had a triple double, 29, 15 rebounds, and 13 assists. And that really was the point where yeah. he cemented. And he's oh, had wow. like just crazy games since then. Like, that was like the, that was like the baseline game for him. Yeah. He absurd. shot two of 11 from beyond yeah. the arc. But the fact that you had Sam Decker and Montrez Harrell, we, we knew those players in college. We, we both knew that how good they were were in college but we really had no idea that they'd be running the small five uh, against a team leading the charge against the Warriors so right. um, that, that that was the best game of the year for me this Cavs Wizards was the second best obviously pretty close though yeah. pretty close I, uh, I saw on Twitter I, f- I forget who it was as I feel like I do every time I say I saw something on Twitter um, comparing this to the OKC Golden State game from around this time I think it was late February last year it was Curry three quarter yeah, shot. It was, they yeah. were doing they were doing the light up three point line at that point. I remember, so it had to be one of those Saturday <laughs> night games. Yeah, so you know the I think that elicited the the double bang from Mike Breen um, when Curry hit that that like thirty whatever footer to win yeah. it. Because um, like that game was crazy. Like KD followed out of that game in overtime, mm-hmm. just like LeBron did. There was just you know big shot after big shot, and well that game too. Just the feel and the aura of that game when he released that shot, you, just knew. you knew. And there's actually a great still frame shot of him. The ball is still in his hands, and he's three quarters deep, and the Thunder crowd. They, they did like little circles and there's 12 people, 12 fans with their hands yeah. on their head as he still had the ball in his hands shooting that they yeah. knew it was over. It was, that was an amazing that game. That was the most fired up Curry and Curry gets fired up. You know, he gets, he gets into it with the crowd, but like he, he like celebrated by himself. Yeah. Know, that was in OKC. Yeah. For, you know, like 30 seconds after that, <laughs> like getting fired up. I mean, how could you not? You know, I don't blame him. Right. But then, you know, they show the Thunder bench and it, you know, like Adams and Cantor are just like stone faced. They, they, they just, <laughs> Yeah, it was like, what? What are we doing? Like, I almost feel like that was the moment when the Thunder knew, like, we're not beating these guys. Yeah, that was tough because they both played such an amazing game. Are you on board with Stash Bros being those that duo's nicknames? Okay, yeah, sure. cool. Just wanted to like check it. in, yeah. make sure. Yeah, thanks for checking. Um, yeah, but I do like that. Um, all right, closing this is Russ actually gonna like do something to Zaza? No, he's not gonna do anything. I no Zaza Russ is not back. See, Zaza is what concerns me most. Like Russ well, drives yeah. into the lanes. All Zaza's got to do is like commit a hard foul, and then it's on. You're right. The ball is in Zaza's court, even yes. though Russ said the ball was in his court. Oddly right. enough, after like, the what game, what can he really do? You know. But you brought this up. 
Russ has embodied so far, especially in these two games against the Warriors and Kevin Durant, uh, let your play you know, speak for itself. Like, he actually has done an amazing job. It seems like he's kind of a loose cannon and a hothead, but when you re- really look at the course of his career, he hasn't sought out individual no. players and been revengeful. Like, he didn't do that with Patrick Beverly when Patrick Beverly... Exactly. I forget. Was it broke his leg or sprained his leg or ankle or I no, forget what he, the exact he tears meniscus like with like yeah when he kind of like pinched him into the scores yes yeah yeah, that yeah, was, yeah honestly I thought that was a borderline dirty play because it was on a timeout it know, was they, you know they always kind of dribble to the sideline Beverly has gotten booed ever since right. yeah in, in Oklahoma City so add him to the list with Kevin Durant um, and yeah. Meta World Peace if Meta World Peace decides to come back never forget the the elbow to Harden Oklahoma City still boos Meta World Peace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to this. Meadow, Meadow was sticking mellow with with uh, dagger jumpers the other night. Like he's, <laughs> he's still got it. Yeah, he's got um, it. But that's a good point. With Russ, like Russ has been able to spin his like craziness and aggression into like a positive. Yeah, you know, he's, a, he's a competitor. Like you never you never hear that said about Demarcus Cousins. Well, here's he's not a, a competitor. He's a whiner and a child. But but the, but the thing is that Cousins lays hands on other people. Yeah. Westbrook doesn't lay hands on other right. other grown men. But like the belief is like he would, and if the bel- he, and if he did, people would justify it, and right. maybe it would be justified. You're right. The, there's a difference. Is that Russ usually stops himself, and and cousin yeah. just goes too far, and going too far is literally putting your hands on another human being. Yeah. Russ has decided, or, or to this point, stop. But who knows, man? I Zaza will just do it to do it. You know, he'll push Russ. Yeah. That's going to happen. So yeah, like Zaza has nothing to lose. Whatever. Like I don't think he'll be. Ta- I don't think the Warriors are going to be like, yeah, but, yeah. F this guy up. He won the popular vote, damn it. Right, yeah. Like, (laughs) I hope Russ's way of retaliating is dunking on him really badly. Yeah. I love Zaza more than anybody. I just want to see that happen. Yeah. No, what was the exact quote? It was Russell's like, I'm going to get him or he's going to get his or something like that. When Russell says that, he just means, you know, I'm going to hang a triple-double with yeah. 32 points on on his team, not not Zaza in particular. He said, quote, I'm going to get his donkey back straight up. Yeah. And what that cuz he hadn't seen the stare over like one of the reporters in the locker room showed him the oh. video after and like he like in the moment he's like like he didn't realize that he stood over him. Gotcha. Like that. Yeah. Um so we talked we just hit on Cousins. Let's talk about this real quickly. He's suspended now for tomorrow's game Wednesday night against Boston. First player to reach the 16 technical threshold. I think this was probably the easiest bet ever of all time if you put money on this. He was ejected with 1.1 seconds left last night. And yet another example of, and like I'm very pro boogie. I think you probably are as well for the most part. But like, you just just can't do that. Like, well, no, the game was over by that point. So so what happened is that well, he got the first one in like a weird altercation with Matt Barnes and Taj Gibson. Nobody really knows what happens. But the the his second one, they were down by four points. He attempted a three. He thought he got fouled when he shot it. He and he was just complaining to the ref yeah. after they already missed the game was over when he got a second one and he was just mad that he didn't get called for the foul when he was shooting the three so 1.1 seconds seems really odd but he was just he was already irate and yeah. he realized he had lost the game at that point well he well he technically got it when there was still time on the clock it's like he shot the ball and like you know the bulls got the rebound and like i think they were dribbling out the clock when he got teed up so like the point is like it counts as a t like had he waited one oh, second right you know, then it would then yes. it would have been like a post game i see what you're saying and like yeah, he probably still would have been disciplined in some way, but it wouldn't have allowed him to reach the technical threshold. So, it's but like, here's the thing: you know, it happened last night. It would have happened Wednesday yeah, against Boston. Sure, exactly. You know what I mean? And Big whoop. Well, now it's like every so. The way it works now is for every subsequent technical, assuming that one of these doesn't get rescinded, and it's hard to imagine that they would. They were pretty. Well, that first one was weird. That first one could get rescinded. Well, the second one definitely not. He he did shove. The Bulls assistant Jim Boylan. Yeah, pretty, so did so did blatantly. yeah, I, I so did Matt Barnes. You're right, you're right. I, but like you said, I don't know what happened there. Like Taj Gibson got teed up for yelling at the ref, and like somehow Cousins and Barnes like come charging into like this little scrum, and like Rondo is involved. Yeah, with, like, Rondo was he's getting... staring down officials like face yeah. to face. Like, which is weird because Rondo was on the Bulls. It seemed like everybody was yeah. unhappy with everybody. Well, Rondo was talking to Barnes and Cousins a little bit too. But then Rondo got into it with a ref and had to be restrained yeah, by the coaching staff. It's, it's just so like... Weird. Both of these teams are just trash. Jokes. It really is, yeah. Um, so Cousins, again, he's out Wednesday against the Celtics. $5,000 now for each subsequent technical um, for the rest of the season. And he'll be suspended for every two. So if he picks one up whenever the Kings play next after Wednesday, won't be suspended. But 
next one he'll be suspended. Ain't no thing, man. So, the, I mean, he gives he gives way more than that in charity plus more. Like you constantly see it. That's yeah, one of the great the, parts about Boogie is that he really does give back to the community. Five thousand dollars per tech, uh, big whoop. It goes to yeah. cha- you know those, that money goes to charity anyway. Right. Not that you would. You know, he'd rather choose where it would go, but th- those fines actually go to charity. I don't think they're tax write-offs because you you're fined by the <laughs> league, know, yeah. but it does go to charity. So it's not like it's going into Adam Silver's pocket or something right. like that. No, for sure, yeah. And I, the fine is the least of concern for these guys. You know, right. that's chump change. Um, I, I know Draymond Green had said that he sets aside money when he when making his budget for the year for technicals so it's just like never a hit to him he's like oh i expected to he all, you know what's this. funny though is that he always complains when he when he starts getting fined because yeah i forget who it was he's like i'm gonna make sure he pays that fine for me i forget who that was i want to say somebody in houston like ryan anderson or something like that yeah well didn't he have, he had to like defend a teammate or something he got teed up right that was yeah, yeah he was not happy about it even though he's like a multi-millionaire so i was looking through technical foul annals today is sheeds 41 techs in 2000 2001 untouchable i uh mathematically was it even work that's my question like i don't i I tweeted that and somebody responded with like it sounded like they had done the math and like you know with the suspension rule you only have x number of games because like you can't pick up 41 fouls in 41 games you know like so we're we're both fans of bill simmons and his the book of basketball was this one of his untouchables that he listed you know he had like i don't know i read had, that a long time ago I'm yeah not sure. i don't remember if it was or not but seems this like seems like this might should have been number one if it wasn't but yeah well the book was probably written before the new technical rules because like these are relatively new right like the 16 yeah. one like that's within the oh, last like, right. three or four years yeah so that makes yeah. sense but now i think it one text i think it's i think it's more untouchable than the warriors record regular season record from last yeah. year so we had 38 in 1999 2000 responded wow. with 41 the next year and that's that's one every two games yeah and I'm sure and he I'm didn't sure play all 82 doubles. games. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he played like 77, I think, partially because he was suspended. Um, <laughs> and then, so I looked from 2000 to 2001 until now. There's only been, like the high in that span, so like 16 years, has been 27, twice. So two times players have gotten to 27 techs. Both of those were Rasheed Wallace, too. Like no one else has gotten even <laughs> close. Like I think the next lowest, like somebody like – I think it was like Danny Fortson one year and Antoine Walker both had 23 in a year. So like no one has been within, you know, 18 technicals of this record. Who's not named Rashid Wallace in the last 20 years. I think that era is gone, man. I just, I mean, cousins would be the one to do it, but the thing is that he's a little bit too valuable for his team. What we need is somebody like a Matt Barnes type. Who's really not like super valuable to the team, more of an interchangeable part, but still plays at least 20 minutes per game to go out there and not really care so much. But the thing is that when you get into that, that territory, like you're, you're hurting your team. Like, Oh yeah. If you're doing it once every two games, it's not like you're blowing out or getting blown out once every two games. You're going to have close games. Especially like the way that this Kings team is built, you know, like it'd be one, like with Draymond, like if Draymond was getting suspended as like, yeah, obviously it hurts the Warriors, but like it doesn't take them out of games. Like the Celtics should have a cakewalk against this Kings team now, right? Like you're DeMarcus Cousins means so, so much to this team. Like you're losing Matt Barnes because of a technical suspension when it's nowhere near the same impact as losing DeMarcus Cousins. So I'm doing the math right now of what it would take to reach the record in terms of money. Okay. So essentially it's 25 times 5,000 if I'm doing it correct. And that's 125 grand to reach Wallace's record if you want to go for because isn't it five thousand dollars for each subsequent tech after 16 well, you also get fined for techs before 16 oh, i don't wow. have the numbers in front of me but it's something like your first six it's like a two thousand dollar fine your next five is a three thousand dollar fine and then technicals like 11 through 15 are a four thousand dollar fine and then everything 16 and up is five thousand dollars so uh, yeah, I mean it's a tough equation to to do, but it would be more than that even. Like it's not you get fined for every technical, not just after sixteen. So I didn't do this correctly, but ballpark it's one hundred and seventy five hundred thousand yeah. dollars to reach received Wallace's yeah. previous mark. Ain't gonna happen. Plus, I don't. Do you lose game checks if you're suspended for a game? Because you'd be suspended. I think for a you ton do. Games if you yeah. forty one tax. So it's even more than that. Yeah. If if somebody who has any sort of math skills because I have none at, at all wants to do the math and like find out if it's mathematically possible. I feel like it would be. 
Well, you oh, the contract would be enough. No, what? no, I'm talking like because you'd be you'd be if you picked up 41 texts, you'd have so many suspensions that like would you have enough games to get 41 texts? Oh, you know what I mean? Wow, it might be impossible to you'd do. You'd have to get the. You'd have to do it. I was trying to figure this out when we I were gotcha. at lunch. I was like, I was literally, I had the calculator on my phone. I, I think you would have to do two in each of your first eight games. Get those. Get to 16 right away. <laughs> And that would leave you with 74 <laughs> games to pick up 25 more. But every two you get, you're suspended. You're suspended. So like you, all right, you got to start crossing out So games. two, 25. I think you could barely do it, but you need to be locked in from the start. Yeah, someone should Someone should try to do this. <laughs> I don't know who. Like some, I, well, I we need to like Kendrick, a player in just to... Kendrick Perkins would come back yeah. from the dead and do it. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's not the most untouchable record in sports, but it's top three. Because it might be like physically impossible, it would it would just be crazy. Like it couldn't, it just couldn't happen. It's not going to happen under the current system. It, like, it would just wouldn't happen. Um, all right, last thing: the Bucks tomorrow, Wednesday, are going to announce a long-awaited exclusive D League team. It's going to be in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, an area that's about half hour from where I'm from. I don't know if you're familiar with Oshkosh at all. There's a branch of the UW college system in Oshkosh. Only when I go to Packer games do right. I get in that yeah, area. We'll, we'll just say it's like. You know, hour out of Madison-ish, you know, kind of. Well, how close is it to Milwaukee? That's the big question here. Probably about the same. So here's here's my thing, and I, and I want you to be careful because I know you're super you're super psyched about this. Although you I probably know. wish that this happened when you were in high school or middle school, so yeah, you could attend. I'm not, I'm not actually that. Excited. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. So here's the thing: this arrangement was set up with the Oklahoma City Thunder as well. Um, when things got kicked off, they had the Tulsa 66ers in, in, and they were the, uh, D league affiliate to the thunder. It was about an hour and a half, same distance from Oshkosh to Milwaukee. And then over time they realized, Oh, we, we want to send out Mitch McGarry and know that he can come back the next day. We don't have to drive. We don't have to fly. And like Mitch McGarry was not, not specifically Mitch McGarry, but that's just what NBA teams do. They want to send him down and bring him back real quick uh, on a daily basis almost these days. So it's awesome that Oshkosh is getting this team, but more often than not, these teams are trending towards just having their D-League team in a suburb of the town they're already in. We saw that with the Raptors. They're in Mississauga, uh, something along those lines. And Mississauga is basically just one of the biggest suburbs of Toronto, and they decided to you know, make the team there. So I, I'd be careful, Oshkosh. Don't celebrate too much because the practicality of it might, might change when you're swapping Rashad Vaughn back and forth from Oshkosh to Milwaukee every day. What do you mean? You think you think like they might move it somewhere else? Yeah, they would move it to like Brookfield, or they'd move it to. Uh, I I agree that like I, I thought they would maybe do that initially. But like Oshkosh is specifically building a stadium to accommodate this. Hey, that that's what the Tulsa Sixty like, Sixers did too. They played there about two seasons. They had a and, WNBA team too, though. Oh, get out of here with that. that! Get out of here with that! They did. Hey, well, the Bulls have their D League team. They're called the Windy City Bulls, yeah. and they're in the and they're in Chicago. I, I just think that it's it's really awesome to get the whole state involved. But when the teams actually have a D League team, and they realize that they're shipping these players back and forth, these hour and a half car rides every other day or twice a week, it just makes sense. Just they don't care about the yeah. attendance ratings at these D League games. They care about the progression of the 14th and 15th man they're sending down. So, I did think it was kind of yeah, like make it just so it's a little because like Oshkosh is just far enough away from milwaukee where it's like you know you can clearly make the trip in, you know in a little over an hour but it's they're like, gonna have to drive yeah it's just a little a or little take further a, away than i would have thought a private jet i um, just i think it's i think it's cool i love when you involve the whole state but i'm just a bitter yeah. tulsa 66ers fan who knows the reality of the situation it just makes more sense for nba teams you know now they're called the oklahoma city blue and they literally play across the street yeah. from the thunder literally across the mm-hmm. street it just makes more sense. They they could care less how many people show up. In fact, I think if you look at the LA Defenders, they don't even have bleachers at their arena. So the reason I brought this up in the first place is I just wanted to get some name suggestions. <laughs> I really took discussion. it. I really took un- it. This is an unintentional consequence <laughs> of the discussion. Um, yeah, the coolest part about the D-League is that the names of the teams are basically on the level of minor league baseball, where anything goes, um, there's really no bar too low. So what do you think? Do they go with the Oshkosh, whatever, or do they, you know, the Osh- Oshkosh is part of a number of cities that are collectively known widely in Wisconsin as the Fox Cities. Yeah. So they could do they could do that. They could do, like, 
What about like the Dairy State Warriors? You know, something like that. They can't go Warriors. Yeah. Well, you could. Can we just can we make this fun? Like some minor league baseball team. Let's call them the Cows. Sure. Oshkosh, Oshkosh Cows. Cows. Yeah. And it's like come on. And it's like that's only like the third worst name in the D League right now. If you can go with uh, what is it? Triple A New Orleans Baby Cakes. Then we can be called yeah. the cow. You can call them the Cows. There's. I mean, there's the Toledo Mud Hens on che- a baseball team. Yeah. Let's go Cheeseheads. 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 Uh, what about the Bagashes? The Oshkosh, Oshkosh Bagashes? That'll come up. That's a sneaky Sponsorship one. Sponsorship opportunity. They wear overalls, maybe. Yeah. Um, Their warm-ups are the overalls. Just... Yeah. Um, one of my, my friend, while we were doing the podcast, texted me out of nowhere and said, what do you think about the Oshkosh tractor trailers? I said, <laughs> yes, obviously, if, they, if that's an option. Uh, but, like, seriously, anything goes when naming these teams. So it'll be very interesting. I know the uh, a town near Oshkosh, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, which – no one has probably ever heard of just got a minor league you know, like summer league team for baseball and they called it the Fond du Lac Doc Spiders. Wow. So like Doc Spiders really, are real like are real things. Yeah. Type of spider and they're big and pretty scary. I, I can attest. Um so yeah, if you have any if you have any name suggestions for whatever this Bucks D League team is going to go by, please let me know. I'll I'll bring them directly to the Bucks. Don't worry about that. What if um what if they go with the Does? The Oshkosh Does? Or the Oshkosh Fawns. Fawns would be cool, but I don't know if they would do that because it's too close to Rashad Vaughn. <laughs> like Bucks send Vaughn to Fawns. Like that having to write that press release. Be... Hey, hey, we both know Vaughn's not gonna be on the team much longer. It'll well, just be is, a like, minor. Oshkosh doesn't have like much of a downtown or anything. Like it's a pretty small city for like, I think the population is like bigger than you would expect, but like I like the only bars in Oshkosh are like college bars. Like yeah. I don't like I kinda hope that uh, if I ever you know, I have a, a couple of friends who are still in college there, miraculously. And, like, if I go visit them, like, am I going to see Rashad Vaughn just, just out and about? Because, like, there's nothing else to do. Exactly. And I, I can't say this strongly enough. It's not going to be in Oshkosh forever. Maybe one, two, three years. And it'll be tops. tops. And it's going to be in some su- first, some sub, 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 suburb of uh, suburb of Milwaukee. I do like the Doe's idea, although that's Fe- already been done. Where? Well... The Milwaukee Does were a short-lived team in the Women's Professional Basketball League from 1978 to 1980. Oh, let's pay homage. Let's bring it back. They were a women's team. Let's pay homage. Let's bring it back. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's 2017. Um, now we shouldn't assume the gender of, of the Milwaukee Does, but like, here I'm showing you a picture of their logo right now. I don't know if that's going to work. It's a very feminized deer. Well, that's that's funny because that's that's totally the feminized version of their old one. That you know, it's kind of like the Rudolph with the like yeah. the, the pointy nose, shiny nose type of bucks. Right. It's it's more of a cartoony one than the current iteration. Right. Um, but the Milwaukee Bucks used to have basically a male version of that logo. I have a yeah. shirt with it actually. Yeah, no, it's yeah. A great, one of the great logos in in sports. Not even exaggerating. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Shout out to Milwaukee Does. This is something I've been been passionate about for a while. Um, let us know if you have Bucks D League team suggestions. Uh, otherwise, I guess we'll probably chat tomorrow. Huh? We'll be back on Wednesday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. 
Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.